Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. journey through the Word together, we move out of the book of Acts, where we've been for several weeks now, and into uh, the letter of 1 Corinthians. And so, as you go through your reading plan, and again, it's never too late, you still got uh, about three months left in the year, it's never too late to get on board with our reading plan. But as we go through the rest of the year, uh, what you'll find is much of the rest of the New Testament now is really just these, these letters written to these different churches that were planted in the book of Acts. And one of the letters was to a church uh, that was planted by the Apostle Paul in the Greek city of Corinth. Uh, and this book was written sometime right in the middle of the first century, about A.D. 55, if you will. So if you remember, the gospel started in Jerusalem. All the way back in Acts chapter 1 where the church is established, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and the gospel begins to very rapidly expand outward from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and now it's beginning to reach the ends of the earth. And one of the unlikely places that the gospel was received was in this city of Corinth. It was received by mostly Gentiles, but some Jewish folks. And I say it's unlikely because the people in Corinth... There's not a nice way to say this. They were pagan as pigs. They were just some really bad people. Um, Sinful people. Very sinful place. Corinth was a provincial capital in Greece. It was a very prosperous and successful city. And Corinth was widely known for its immorality. So there was actually a Greek word made about this city. And the the word is Corinthiazomai, which literally means live immorally like a Corinthian. So basically, if you think of Corinth, you think what happens in Corinth, some of you are tracking what kind of place this was, all right? What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. It was a bad place. Now, can you imagine trying to plant a church, the first church, in a place like Corinth? Imagine going and preaching the gospel in a place like Corinth. Well, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. And he begins in a Jewish synagogue where they happen to have one there. And he tried that approach that had been successful in many other cities, and it was not successful in Corinth. And so Paul leaves the Jewish folks and begins to preach to the Gentiles, to the, to the pagans, if you will. And so they end up, um, interestingly enough, accepting the gospel. And then some of the Jews actually received Christ as well. And so what you had then at that point was a very diverse an interesting church. We'll just leave it at that. A very interesting church. You can read the rest of Corinthians on your own. And so the letter of 1 Corinthians is written in response then to some things that Paul hears about this church. He stayed there about a year and a half and then he moved on to his other missionary endeavors. And he hears that they're still living in sin. Not just the city, but the church itself was just full of sin. He hears that the church is full of divisions. He hears that there's just things going on within the church that needs to be addressed. They're losing their focus on Christ, which is probably the most important thing. Because we conclude 
concluded last week talking about what? We talked about the successful church, the prospering church would be the church that was Christ-centered, a church that was focused on the gospel, the church that's fulfilling the Great Commission and making a kingdom impact is going to be a Christ-centered church. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul doubles down on that truth and he essentially tells the Corinthian church, guys, you need to refix your eyes on Jesus. Let's look at verse 18 together this morning. This is going to be the focus verse of the day, but we'll go through verse 25. And the Bible says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is the power of God to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. Take just a moment and wrap your your mind around those words for a moment. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This morning, I want to just take a moment. And and, and most of you have probably been here at some point in your life. Have you ever prayed to God about something and you're maybe praying over a situation and God's answer, God's solution to whatever problem it is you have is something totally different than what you ever dreamed up. You might even think, God, this is kind of crazy. This is a little bit foolish. Are you sure you know what you're doing up there? Remind me of a story I heard recently about a fellow that was driving his truck along one of these mountain roads in eastern Kentucky, and he, he starts uh, just not paying attention. He gets a little too fast. And he, before he knows it, he's come up on one of these big old curves, you know, that goes around the side of the mountain, and he takes it just a little too fast. And so what happens is he ends up driving his truck just, I mean, just right over the bank. Now, somebody here has done that before. I know you have. And so he he drives over the bank, and down at the bottom of this hollow, you know, two, three hundred feet down, there's a river going through there. Somehow, miraculously, as his truck goes over the bank, he's thrown out of the truck. Truck crashes down in the bottom of the hollow in the river, and he's he's just hanging on this bluff. Somehow, by God's grace, he caught a little twig, a little baby tree sticking out, and he's just kind of hanging there. And finally, he kind of comes to his sense, and he's like, just starts praying, God! help God you know what would you do God help me and he's crying out to the Lord he's praying he says is there anybody up there listening to me God just help me and all of a sudden he hears this calm quiet voice says son just have faith and let go he says is there anybody else up there listening (laughs) how many times have we done that when God gives us the answer Right? So three observations this morning. And the first is just what Paul says there in verse 18. The solution that God gives us sometimes seems foolish. The word of the cross is foolishness. 
And it's foolish to those who are perishing. Notice Paul's predicament. Everywhere Paul goes, every, to everyone he preaches, the gospel seems to be a foolish message. On one hand, you've got the, to the Jewish person who Paul says it's a stumbling block to the Jew. Many of them had failed to recognize the Messiah when he first came. And for many of them, it was just inconceivable that their Messiah, their long-awaited Messiah, would be this person that, that died on a cross in, in shame the suffering servant. That's not what they had in mind. To them, they wanted a, a holy warrior that was going to make Israel great and, and free them from Roman oppression. So this was a stumbling block to the Greek or to the Gentile. Paul says it was just foolishness. It's almost like a, a, a fairy tale, just a story that somebody made up. See, the Greeks, think about their situation. They did not have this foundational you know, background in Scripture like the Jewish person did. If they were aware of it at all, it was very minimal. And so when Paul goes and he's trying to, to preach to them, basically what they hear in their mind is this incredible story, something so just, just out there of this man dying on a cross and just coming back to life. And Acts chapter 17 gives us their reaction to this. Paul's preaching to some Gentiles and they tell Paul, hey, we want to know more about this. We've never heard anything like this before. Teach us more. And not only that, tell us what these things mean. And so they take the Apostle Paul up to Mars Hill, and Paul begins to preach the gospel to the best of his ability to these unbelieving Gentiles. And then when he gets to the story of the resurrection, of Jesus coming back to life, many of them think this is just pure foolishness. Now, a few of them do end up following Paul and, and, and getting saved, but most of them simply just begin to ridicule the Apostle Paul for this elaborate story that he's just told them. Folks, I think in 2,000 years, very little has changed in that regard. I think the, the word of the cross or the message of the cross is still foolishness to those who are perishing. And, and, and us, we Christians, we church folks, we're so used to hearing the gospel. We're so accustomed to hearing about Christ dying and being raised again that if we're not careful, the gospel itself will begin to lose some of its magnificence because we just we hear it every week, often many times a week. But imagine for a moment having absolutely no biblical background, no foundation, no understanding of Scripture and the things of God, and then suddenly hearing... For the very first time that mankind's greatest need, the one thing that every man and woman and child needs is to put your faith in this man that lived in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. This man who died and was resurrected back to life. And then he leaves planet earth and goes to heaven, but he's, he's coming back again. And imagine hearing this. And by the way, this was no ordinary man. This was the very son of God that did all this. It sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? Without that understanding. It sounds almost like foolishness. And that message is foolishness to the wisdom of this age. And folks, it still is a stumbling block to the person that would want to be super religious and earn their way into heaven. It flies in the face of every single other world religion that's out there which says and teaches that you receive by doing when the gospel says you receive by what's been done. But that's the message that we preach and we proclaim. It's almost counterintuitive 
And the Apostle Paul used this message everywhere that he went, as did the other apostles in the early church. The Jews wanted to hear one thing. The Gentiles wanted to hear another thing. Everybody wants to have their ears tickled with the message that they want to hear. And so what does Paul give them? The very thing that they don't want to hear, which is Christ crucified. And Christ crucified is what we need to give them today in 2022 as well. Like we said last week, folks, if we're going to preach and proclaim anything, it needs to be Jesus. Second thing here is the word of the cross. It's not just foolishness, but it's necessary. Paul preached Christ crucified because no other message would do. The wisdom of the wise, the highest of philosophies, the intricate details of the law, none of that would ever do to save a man's soul. And from the earliest times in church history, the church has gotten this. Think all the way back from to, to, to Acts chapter 4 when the apostle Peter's preaching a gospel message inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the apostle Peter proclaims very boldly that salvation is found in no one but Jesus. He says, matter of fact, you may remember this verse, that there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. Therefore, the message of the gospel, the message of the cross, it's essential. It's necessary to everything that we do. It's necessary for a broken, fallen, and lost world to hear, whether they want to hear it or not. Pastor Alistair Begg said there's one thing today, among all the many things we can't agree on, there's one thing that I think everyone will agree on. And that's the fact that our world is broken. And you just look around, folks. Our world needs help. I was reminded of that just walking through the Daniel Boone Festival this week. But beyond that, look around at the families that are torn apart and ravaged by drugs and addiction and sin. Look worldwide at the death and destruction caused by evil and greedy world leaders. Look at the sickness and the disease and the famine and just the devastation. And the list goes on and on and on and on. It's just broken. It's fallen. But we have the solution. The solution is the gospel. The solution is the work and person of Jesus Christ, crucified on Calvary's cross, dead and buried and risen again. That's the answer to the world's problems. But Paul says, hey, this thing sounds foolish. It's kind of like saying the world is so sick, but we of all people have the medicine that it needs. All we got to do is get them to take the medicine. We know they need it. We can't just pinch their nose and make them swallow it. So how do we get the world to take the medicine? Well, I think first we've got to understand that part's up to the Lord. Our job. What is our job? To preach Christ crucified. To preach and proclaim the gospel. That is mine and your job. And prayerfully, we trust that the ones who are being saved, as Paul says, will see the gospel for what it is. That it's not just foolishness. That it's not just a story that somebody made up to get a bunch of followers. It's not a fairy tale. 
but it's the power of God at work in our lives. And that's the third and final point this morning, is the word of the cross is the power of God. It sounds foolish, Paul says to those who are perishing. It just don't make sense. For many people, the gospel is too simple. And maybe you even had that conversation telling people, well, here's, here's how you get saved. Here's how you avoid hell, go to heaven, and, and live eternally with God forever. And they say, well, it can't be that simple. For, for many, it's a stumbling block because it, it puts all of that weight on God and they feel like they can't earn their way to heaven. But Paul says, but to us who are being saved, this thing is the power of God. It's weakness made strong. It's God becoming flesh and bearing the sins of the world on a cross so that whosoever would believe might be saved and have everlasting life. Folks, I don't know about you, but when I pull myself out of my context and and just think about the gospel for a moment, it's a wild message, isn't it? That God became a man and died for me. That is, that's some crazy stuff. But that's the message. This message, it's so great. It's it's so mighty. It's so powerful because this is something that only God himself could do. And not only that, it's so great because it's something I could never do. I can never do this myself. And that's the power of the cross. That's the message of the gospel that we, each and every one of us, were so dead in our sin and helpless in our sin that we were unable to ever overcome the depths of our despair. But what we could not do, folks, Christ did for us. That's the gospel. What we could not pay, Christ paid for us on Calvary's cross. And now the gospel is powerful enough and I believe this with all my heart, to save any person who's willing to believe. The gospel is, is sufficient. Christ is sufficient to change people's lives. Christ is sufficient to, to set the captives free, to set addicts free, to free men and women and children, not just from their sin, but from a whole world of hurts and regrets and mistakes. I believe that. I believe there's no bottomless plit, plit, pit on the face of this planet that the gospel cannot reach. Amen? Our job, church, is to get it there. I believe there's no person that's so far gone that Jesus Christ cannot bring them back. It's our job to share the gospel with them. And the gospel flies in the face of any conventional wisdom. But it's the very message that our world needs to hear. And believe it or not, when you start sharing the gospel, you will understand it's actually the message that most of the world wants to hear. They want to know that there is actually something concrete and real in this world of chaos and hurt that they can cling to and that will save their souls for eternity. Charles Spurgeon puts it much more eloquent than I ever could. The late great Baptist preacher said, Brethren, believe in the power of the cross. Believe it for the conversion of those around you. Do not say of any man that he cannot be saved. The blood of Jesus is omnipotent. Do not say of any district that it's too sunken or of any class of men that they are too far gone. The word of the cross reclaims the lost. 
Believe it to be the power of God and you shall find it so. Believe in Christ crucified and preach boldly in his name and you shall see great and gladsome things. He says, do not doubt the ultimate triumph of Christianity. Do not let a mistrust flit across your mind. That's where that word come from. I just said a minute ago. The cross must conquer. It must blossom with a crown, a crown commensurate with the person of the crucified and the bitterness of his agony. His reward shall parallel his sorrows. He says, trust in God and lift your banner high. And now with psalms and songs advance to battle. For the Lord of hosts is with us. The son of the highest leads our van. He says, onward with blast of the silver trumpet and shout of those that seize the spoil. He says, let no man's heart fail him. Christ hath died. Atonement is complete. God is satisfied. Peace is proclaimed. Heaven glitters with proofs of mercy already bestowed upon 10,000 times 10,000. He says, hell is trembling. Heaven is adoring. Earth is waiting. Advance ye saints to certain victory because you shall overcome through the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that beautiful? But it's foolish to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved and who will be saved, this this gospel is the power of God. Now my question to you this morning is, what, what is the word of the cross? What is the gospel to you? Think about that. Because how you answer that question is very important this morning. If you stood before God this Sunday afternoon and you tried to to plead your case to get into heaven and, and your response is anything other than because of Christ, then you haven't gotten the message of the cross. And I'll be really honest, you need to be saved this morning. Because there is no other way. It's not because I did this or I did that. It's because Jesus And this morning, if you are saved, you need to act like the word of the cross isn't just some foolishness that you're afraid to talk about. You need to act like the the gospel is the most important message. It's like that medicine that's going to cure everything, and you've got to get it to every person that needs it. Until the whole world hears, because it's the power of God that must be shared. And if you're hoarding the gospel to yourself today, you just need to let it go and start telling people about Jesus. That's what the church is supposed to do. And that's how the gospel will continue to reach the ends of the world. Starting in your Jerusalem, your immediate circle of influence and your family, and spreading outward. Stand together as we pray this morning. God, I thank you for the power of the cross. For the power of the gospel, Lord. It's not just a foolish story. And God, we see that. We see this morning, God, we've witnessed the fact that the gospel is still changing lives, even today. God, we're so grateful. God, it's my prayer this morning that that the gospel, the message of the cross would never just become a dull message to us. That it never lose its luster. It never lose its magnificence, its splendor, its power. 
God, that we would never fail to just tell somebody about Jesus. God, there's probably people in our own family that we honestly don't even know if they're saved because we're so afraid, so scared to even ask or talk about this message. Lord, as your church prayed 2,000 years ago, give us boldness to proclaim Christ. Give us a boldness, Lord, to preach Jesus to our family, to our children, to those around us in our workplace. God, that some would see it for what it is, that it is the power of God to save souls. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you need to come and pray, this altar is open. If there's a decision you need to make as we sing, why don't you come and share that with us? We'd be glad to pray with you, whether that's for salvation or baptism or whatever the Lord has placed on your heart. Why don't you come this morning as we sing? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.